Hi, welcome back to Beach Neon Pink, the podcast. I am actually back after almost, I guess, two weeks of not having an uh, yeah, not having, not having an episode. Um, I put out in between like a two point five episode right before I went on vacation. So um, yeah, so this one is officially podcast episode number three so um welcome guys welcome back to this podcast um i'm going to talk about a couple of things that i sort of touched upon on my um in between episode um and also going to talk about like review a little bit about the korean dramas that have finished i'm currently watching so we're going to talk about that a little bit um after after the jump so stay tuned Okay, guys, so we're actually going to talk about Love Alarm, which is a Korean drama that I briefly talked about in my in-between episode, episode 2.5 previously. And um, I talked about it very briefly because at that time when I recorded that episode, actually this Korean drama hasn't premiered yet. Um, It has since then premiered on Netflix, Um, I think towards like august end of august ish um when i was on vacation so um i actually just got back from vacation and my flight got back um today or yesterday technically and i had downloaded the episodes from netflix to watch on my flight and i've actually watched i think like about three or four episodes so far so um that has been like my experience of it so far um anyways love alarm stars kim soyun song kang and jung Ganam. um i'm gonna talk a little bit about the description of the story um love alarm is a story about a disruptive technology in which an app lets you know if someone within 10 meters is attracted to you kim jojo which who is played by Kim Soyeon, is a high school student who juggles several part-time jobs to support her grandma. Her past hides a painful truth that she tries to hide. Uh, Wang Sunok, he's played by um, Song Kang, is a handsome model who grew up in a rich political family but in reality hates the embarrassing actions of his parents. He desperately... Bleh, can't really talk huh? <laughs> he desperately seeks the approval of his mom a famous actress his best friend lee hae young uh, played by jung garam is loyal to a fault which becomes a problem when both him and sonho falls for jojo so that was like a brief kind of rundown on what the story is about um like i said i i set out to watch this during my flight from canada which was like three hours um and my flight back to california which was like another hour so it was a total of about four episodes because they're they're about almost an hour i think um which is fun to watch when you're stuck in a plane and you don't want to pay for wi-fi um (laughs) so uh first impressions on um on it Uh, let me talk about well 
well, the title is Love Alarm. The Korean title is Johamyeon Olinun. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's based on a webtoon written by Chon Kyeyong. Um, and like I said, it started airing on Netflix starting um, August. Um, so last month, barely. Um, let me talk about Kim Jojo. Um, played by Kim Soyeon, she is a very quite you know, a prominent child actress, um, most famously known for me from Moon Embracing the Sun in 2012. She played one of the younger child versions or teen versions of um, one of the characters. Um, but she's she's played a lot of um, child roles um, in her career. Um, she's, she's transitioning to more teen, kind of like more mature roles recently. Um, so she... Um, I haven't really watched a lot of her more recent dramas, but she kind of has, she's, she's really, she's pretty, but she has kind of a plain Jane look on this, this drama. So that kind of adds to the whole idea of like, you know, these two guys, two popular guys suddenly falling in love with her. Um, I kind of like her name though in this Korean drama because the character's name is Jojo, um, and the whole uh name of the app which um they talk about um love alarm is jaw alarm like they that's how they nickname it for joa which is like liking someone in korean um so even her name kind of is like a pun on the app itself and the korean drama like jojo or like joa joa you know so um i really enjoyed that, that i found that really funny um it starts off kind of like trying too hard this korean drama because um the first episode the first couple scenes is like pretty much jojo um it looks like it's it's set like a few years in the in the future because she's looks like she's dressed up a little bit older um the whole series i believe is mainly set in uh like a high school setting but on the first couple of scenes when we first meet jojo she's really dressed up more like a like a young career woman or like a fresh college graduate same thing with the two male leads so uh and it's like a scene where they cross the street and then you see the circles which indicate the 10 meter radius of the love alarm app um in that whole scene it's kind of like an explanatory explain explaining scene um but they're dressed up kind of like as if uh, they're a little bit older so i don't know if it's gonna jump to like a forward jump to the future in later episodes since i've only watched like four episodes um but it's it's kind of like a little bit trying hard like they kind of really push like oh, this is, you know, take me seriously. I'm a, I'm a Korean drama, which um, I think it's an effort that Netflix made because this is an original, Netflix original series, um, only because it's based on a webtoon. And most webtoons are like usually shown on like um, streaming sites or like YouTube. Um, so they, they're not really normally shown on like broadcasting stations in Korea from what I know. So um, it's... I think it's like an effort to kind of show um, viewers, especially internationally, who, is gonna, who are going to watch it on Netflix, that take me seriously. I'm a legit Korean drama. I'm not just like a like a web series, which is usually what 
usually when they adapt a webtoon, which is like an online comic, to a Korean drama, that's usually what happens. It becomes a web drama. It's just a streaming drama. Um, usually, like, you know, people watch it on, like, a streaming site or something. Um, so I think that's their effort, really, that Netflix is like, um, we're going to really make the you know, put in the money and make the effort to show that we're a legit Korean drama. Um, so Kim Soyeon is, she does really well in her character. Like, there's a lot of scenes that um, if they hint about her painful past, uh, about what happened to her parents and her family and why she's working so hard. Um, and then she just shows that like with like two seconds from her eyes her facial expressions and just she hits all the notes like in the scene so you know as what you would expect from you know i guess a veteran um drama actress like from childhood like she's she's quite good at it um uh is she convincing as a high school student yeah she's in her 20s right now i guess she is uh she's one of those actresses that still can pull off like a high school uniform so um i'm looking forward to seeing more um depth from her seeing how she progressed from developing that character that's just kind of a bit uh a bit of a cinderella character um in the beginning if you know what I mean, like she's kind of like you know she's poor, she's working all these jobs, she's just trying to live her life. She has a, you know, a tragic background, backstory. So, um, I'm wondering how they're gonna develop that Cinderella type story, like background further on in the series, which is kind of where um, Wang Sono, uh, Sono, um, played by Song Kang, um, the character is this pretty much this this rich boy rich rich poor boy kind of um living a life in like a mansion but he he desperately yearns for affection from his mom his parents in general and um but he's like a heartthrob in school um kind of pretty much that like chebol prince character that you usually see in korean dramas so that's where i kind of like saw that uh theme going on from the beginning that uh jojo is like the cinderella character and potentially suno is gonna be the the white knight like the prince charming character maybe he kind of fits them all he's also his character is uh, in the beginning is a little bit of a tsundere like that kind of snobbish like arrogant but then that quickly like goes away after like the first like half of the first episode so um I'm not really too sure which direction they're putting his character towards. Um, in like episode two, episode three, he seems very caring and he seems to genuinely like Jojo. Um, and they start dating um, because it just happens that both of their uh, jaw alarm, their love alarm rings at the same time. Um, but there's also this uh, dynamic between him and... Um, Jung Garam's character, Hae Young, who is his best friend, his childhood friend, who pretty much is the the kid of his nanny, um, that has got seen him as it worse at his worst as a child. So I'm not sure, um, since Jung Garam's character also likes Jojo, but secretly, um, I don't know how that's gonna play out. Like, is it like bros before hoes, or what's gonna go on? Like, I, I'm not really too sure, but the last episode that i saw today at episode four um 
exciting as a Korean drama to watch because you're kind of like looking forward to what's going to happen. Um, I kind of sort of cheated a little bit and read through a little bit of um, like reactions online and it looks like um, people are asking for a season two because the ending is a bit of a cliffhanger, um, which is not unusual for these type of um, Korean dramas that are based on webtoons because webtoons, what uh, as most like, manguas or like web comics need to do is that um they need to kind of like have some you know a cliffhanger so somebody will the readers will look forward to like the next like installment of it so um i'm not i, I don't i'm not sure if they're gonna do a season two um they did produce a season two of another netflix korean drama called my first first love which is still on my list of Korean dramas to watch. I have so many that I'm watching currently right now um, that I I shouldn't have started anymore, but I did. Um, but my first first love actually had a f- season one and now had a season two. So it's very possible that Netflix would cash in on this um, sensation. So it looks like from Twitter and online that people love like this Korean drama, um, which I do. I, I love it, but I'm just kind of skeptical. It's... Um, one of those Korean dramas that I'm like, oh, it's it's, it's a fun watch. Um, but, you know, would it be a Korean drama that's going to stay in my mind and uh, make me think? I don't know. Maybe. Um, what was I say? Oh, um, I totally lost my train of thought. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm still on vacation mode, which is really, really odd. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, uh, okay, let me talk about the whole song. Uh, let me talk about Song Kang, actually, before I forget. He is a very new rookie actor. He is, f- um, I actually, like I said on my um, In Between 2.5 episode, um, I know him from this um, Korean variety show called Village Survival the Eighth. Uh, he's kind of like that pretty boy actor character um, there. Uh, he He's a very, like I said, he's a very good looking kid. Um, I had the same concerns like what I mentioned in my past episode that um, of this podcast that is he just a pretty face. He kind of has that uh, Chai Yun-woo um, from my ID's Gangnam Beauty and currently on Rookie Story in Guheron, which I'm going to talk about later, but not right now. Um, he kind of has that face. He has a very good looking face. And you're kind of like wondering if this guy is just a pretty face or he actually has the chops t- as an actor to deliver the scenes. So far, um, he really does the pouty puppy dog look really well. Um, like I said previously, uh, he does kind of like a bit of tsundere, like characteristics of a chable rich boy who likes the poor girl um character he he has it he he did it well um he's very charming um so far i like his character um he leaves enough that you're wondering is he does he really like jojo for who she is or he just likes jojo because his best friend likes her so um it's there's a little bit of um he kind of leaves a little bit of there to ponder about while you're watching it um in the scenes with jungaram they really portray like the whole like 
bros like best friends really well um i enjoy those scenes they it's very like it seems very realistic that they are best friends so um i'm looking forward to kind of seeing what he brings into the table and he does have um that potential to be a a a good you know leading type of actor um i think love alarm is a good stepping stone into kind of like practicing to practicing to being that leading character leading role so maybe in the future he's he's when he gets enough um korean dramas under his belt as a lead he'll actually like you know graduate into more like serious roles or something um and who knows um he he definitely is somebody to watch out for he like i said very charming um actor um and i think i think this is his first lead role but it's also like kind of smaller korean drama even though it's on netflix so he has room to grow um the way some random things that i thought about in the four episodes is that the way love alarm is shown uh reminds me a lot of abyss which is also on netflix it stars an hyosop and park boyong um especially the sounds and like the whole orb thing um i haven't finished abyss i've in the middle of it i kind of stopped right in the middle um even though it stopped airing already it aired its finale a couple like a month or two ago um i still have yet to finish it um and i love an so piece he's such a great actor so um park boyong is amazing an amazing actress also anyways um the whole way they showed the love alarm which is like concentric circles around the person holding the phone when they activate the app um reminds the sound that it makes which is probably just like a default android samsung whatever sound in korea um reminds me of the whole like orbs in abyss um it also reminds me of uh from another recent korean drama the bubble paintings from her private life uh which is a korean drama starring park min young and kim jaywook that just finished a couple months ago um it reminds me of that because it kind of first shows up as like just like circles and it's like very like rainbowy um so it just reminds me of that bubble paintings and just together with sound it sounds very like introspective and like very aesthetic sound so um it reminds me of those um interestingly enough for um a show that has a technology that seems like not like slightly realistic but seems still far into the future um the text messages on the screen are shown by just like pretty much the camera panning down into the person's into the person's phone to the character's phone so um interestingly enough they don't do it like normally when they show like a visual representation of the text messages on the screen like a speech bubbles or something um this oddly enough the whole love alarm um reminds me of uh like an episode of black mirror i can't remember the exact exact episode but it's that episode that they are um the ending i don't know if you guys watch if you watch black mirror but one of the seasons there was an episode where um it showed that they were actually uh simulations in like a dating app um there's an episode like that so love alarm reminds me of that like the whole disruptive technology that what would you do if it's a an app that actually plays into your emotions your psychology uh, 
the way you interact with other human beings. It's not as deep as what, you know, was explored in Black Mirror. But Love Alarm is kind of in a similar vein, but in a fun Korean drama um, idea to it. Um, I love that there are LGBT themes that are touched upon. Um, mainly when the same gender triggers the love alarm, um, which kind of shows how uh, South Korea, the society as a whole, I think, views um, LGBT. Like, uh, there's the principle in one of the scenes in episode three or episode four goes on and says that it's embarrassing when um, a love alarm rings when it's the same gender or something. Um, right when it pans into like a controversial scandal that Love Alarm the app has um, on the TV. It's in like the teacher's lounge or something. So um, they they touch upon it. They don't really explore it too much aside for a mentioning of um, like how bullying plays into um, to that. So I appreciate that it, it, it tries, but it doesn't, it kind of just dips its like toes into that that pool that water but it doesn't really like goes for it which is acceptable for this type of genre of korean drama um there is a character named dok gu who is played by lee jae-young he's the developer of love alarm um i feel really bad for this actor because he looks like he's probably 30 and they gave him like a bowl cut um, which made him look much, much older uh, and out of place of the whole high school setting. He plays uh, the developer of Love Alarm, and he pretty much developed um, this app because he has feelings for Gulmi, who's played by Go Minzy. Um, Gulmi is Jojo's bratty cousin, and she's sort of i guess so far from what i've gathered in her character is an aspiring k-pop star she is is is, is like the mean the mean b like um in this korean drama um she pretty much even though she's cousins with jojo she pretty much tortures her and just like doesn't pay it to like just is the the bully the brat um to her at school so um there's those two characters i don't know how well they're going to be developing that um hopefully i don't know i i have this feeling it was even though it's probably not gonna happen but i hope they give doku like a, a whole makeover and then gumi like pretty much realizes oh he's actually like not that bad looking or you know just or her her jaw alarm her love alarm rings or something um before she knows it so that, w- that would be kind of funny but i'm not sure if they're gonna do that um so yeah that's that's pretty much my thoughts on love alarm um i'm not sure if i'm gonna continue watching it um probably because there's only like eight or nine episodes so i think i have like at least like four or five left so um if i do i'm probably gonna talk about it in future podcast episodes but so far that's those are my thoughts about um love alarm so um yeah Hey, so um, after talking about for the longest time about Love Alarm, I'm actually going to talk about a couple of other things related to K-dramas. First of all, I'm going to talk about Hotel de Luna, which aired its finale episode this past weekend. Um, I, I, 
I was like crying buckets because it was a very melancholy ending for Manuel and Chansung, which you kind of expect about a story about ghosts. Like there's no way they're gonna magically like make it like that they they're gonna end up with each other right but so it was still pretty sad um i thought the storyline about scholar kim or the bartender character was a bit rushed they kind of just like shoehorned um that <laughs> that uh plot line towards the last two episodes um which i appreciate they tried to kind of tie most of the loose ends but still it was very rushed um there was a very exciting um ending cameo spoiler alert spoiler spoiler alert um there was an exciting um ending cameo by kim soyeon who you might know from the very famous korean drama my love from the stars with jun ji hyun um he is shown as the new owner um of hotel blue moon which is like the um after hotel de luna collapsed because manuel went to the afterlife um then it rose like hotel blue moon which you know it needed according to the gods the magosians like they said that a um a, a resentful oh sorry that was my watch <laughs> a resentful um ghost uh or ghost that has a lot of vendetta has to take over and develop a new hotel so i guess that's kim soyun's um hotel blue moon um i was looking through online and there was a lot of people who were really like lobbying for um it to be made into like a second season ish of hotel de luna they're probably not it's he just got discharged from the military his military service so it's probably just like a cute little cameo he's probably gonna pick out like a korean drama to kind of do but still very interesting um I also uh, wanted to talk about Rookie Story and Guherong, which I kind of briefly hinted about when I was talking about Love Alarm. Um, I started watching Rookie Story during vacation because as a f- the f- I was visiting family and we pretty much uh, was going out into the wild. If you want to see that, you can look at my vlogs um, <laughs> on www.peachneon.com. T- another extra and pink.com um for the vlogs anyway um we pretty much uh binge watched them and just did like a marathon of korean dramas um when we came home so as a whole family we're a family that loves korean dramas hey um <laughs> so we started watching rookie story and go wrong i actually had already watched like i think a good like eight or nine episodes of this before i binge watched it with my family um like i said on my 2.5 episode my in-between episode um this stars try and woo um he's his acting has improved a lot i'm impressed um like song kang he's one of those actors that's like you're kind of when you first see him we're like is he just a pretty face is he mm, uh but his acting has improved a lot, even just comparing it from my ID's Gangnam Beauty, his the you you see a clear distinction of the characters, the like different character. So um looking forward to that. It's a very comedic, funny draw Korean drama, mostly because of the side um secondary um side characters. Like I truly, truly believe that um the eunuch character that pretty much watches over Chai Yun-woo's character who's the the second prince is the most stressed out job he's like just 
trying to keep his job because this the trouble this troublemaker prince is just making his life so difficult but he's like loves him so much and has taken care of him for such a long time that <laughs> it's just so funny there's also a lot of like just comedic like scenes to it that kind of um cuts between like all of the political machinations like political stuff between the king the crown prince the ministers and all that stuff which might be boring for most like some people who don't watch a lot of historical dramas or sagaks um i i'm fine with it i've watched enough that i can kind of understand most of it um with the subtitles and without kind of just like somebody explaining it to me which i kind of took that role when i was we were watching it with my family because i was explaining to them the whole like relationship between like so and so characters and how politically that affects so and so or something so that was kind of my role but i've watched enough of these historical dramas that i kind of was like okay i understand what's going on this might happen or this might happen um <laughs> but um speaking of shin sekyung who plays guherong she is i like her um i haven't watched all of her a lot of her korean dramas but here she plays a very smart spunky woman whose viewpoints don't actually fit with the times um she plays kind of very modern woman um which plays a lot i'm not gonna spoil it but she, it plays a lot to what the backstory is for her character uh, which is connected to Chaya Won's character as the prince and that the prince's backstory also. Um, one thing I want to mention though is I'm firmly rooting for the secondary couple to be Officer Min and Sahui. Officer Min is the son of uh, the second state counselor who is like the corrupt, like villainous character in the story. Um, and he's like such a inflexible righteous kind of character um that i i just want him and he also has a tragic backstory which you're gonna see in one of the episodes but i just want him to find a little bit of love and happiness which i think he she will do well with sahui which is uh sahui is one of the other female historians that got hired um with guherong um but she also has a father who's like this this kind of like uh merchant rich merchant who um does a lot of dubious business deals um but i'm not too sure if her character is supposed to be a villain type of character yet or um i'm not too sure yet, but they seem like a good pairing they kind of have similar backgrounds you know the whole rich kid with corrupt dad kind of dad kind of thing um that they kind of can i think they will meld well as a couple so <laughs> i'm hoping that happens in this korean job but it still has like i think four or five more episodes to go so we'll see um yeah so that was rookie story in guherong i'm gonna probably update you guys on a future podcast about whether i do finish it or not if i end up do liking and doing kind of like a sort of quick final review on it um what I'm super, 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 oh my gosh, excited about is that Leverage, if if you know this American TV series, oh my god, I freaking love you. Because this, Leverage is getting a K-drama adaptation. So, it, brief kind of rundown on Leverage. It was an American series that aired um, early, like 2012, 
I think it was like 2008 to 2012 or something. Um, but it pretty much consists, it's a story, it's like episodic theme, um, consists of the five person team with a, the brains the of the operation, a thief, a grifter, a hacker, and a retrieval specialist. Um, I love the American um, series, the original. Um, definitely love Soapy. I love um, Parker. All of them. Like, they're so much fun to watch. Um, and I'm so excited they're actually doing a Korean drama version of this. And um, Timothy Hutton's character, who is like the brains of the operation, um, is going to be played in the Korean drama by Lee Dong-gun, who has a special place in my heart um he was recently in angel's last mission but um he was also in one of the very very first korean dramas that i have watched um what is the title i'm gonna look it up right now because i don't remember but i he was in one of the very first Korean dramas that I ended up loving and I still do love um right now I'm gonna actually look it up right now yeah so recently he was on Angel's Last Mission he was also on um Queen for Seven Days he was also famously in Lovers in Paris if you're an old school Korean drama fan um anyways very little known Korean drama is this Korean drama called Sweet 18 uh, very cliche by now because they they recycled a lot of the like scenes and you know storylines from that Korean drama into current Korean dramas. So, but he oh my god, um, Sweet Eighteen or Nanang Eighteen Se is oh my gosh like one of my very favorite Korean dramas. Early Korean dramas I've watched it. It aired in when was this two thousand four? So it was like oh my god, such a long time ago. But uh, very cute. Um, if you're willing to watch through a old Korean drama and you don't mind the cringiness of it, it's a must watch. Anyway, um, so like I said, Lee Dong Gun has like a he has a special place in my heart, um, just because of that Korean drama. So I'm looking forward f- to him playing the Timothy Hutton character because I think he will do really well. So um, he's joined by Jung, uh, Jun Hae Bin, Kim Se Ron, and. Oh my god, another favorite from a recent Korean drama, Kim Kwon. He played um a prosecutor brother and he is psychometric. And I've talked about this in previous like podcasts and also vlogs that um I'm a huge fan of Park Jin Young, who is an actor, of course. He's a young actor, but he's also one of the members of the K-pop group that I love, GOT7. So uh, he was the lead recently, and he is psychometric. And um, Kim Kwon plays the brother who has this also this kind of weird background story as well. But I love Kim Kwon. He is a very compelling young... Um, no, he's not yet. He's in his 30s. But he's a very compelling actor. He one of those actors that i feel needs to have a drama that he's the male lead because he it's very much you know overdue he, like he needs to start in his own korean drama but um i'm excited that he's going to be in leverage so um i'm hoping that leverage is going to be subtitled uh english subtitled and actually going to be shown shown internationally so hopefully um 
I'm not sure if maybe Netflix will pick them up. I mean, they've picked up the Korean adaptation of Designated Survivor, which I'm still in the midst of watching. I stopped in the middle because it was way too intense, but I'm going to go back into it. Um, so I'm super excited. Um, it's probably going to show, I think, in a couple months. They're starting filming right now. So super excited on how they're going to develop and make this into like their own like korean drama version of leverage which is an american series that i really really love so uh that was pretty much it for the k-drama section of my podcast um stay tuned i'm gonna talk about a couple of songs in my k-pop section um yeah Hey, so this is the K-pop section of this podcast. If you didn't know, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of um, songs that I have enjoyed. Uh, first off, I'm going to talk about... Actually, the the groups I'm going to talk about are groups that I saw at KCON, um, which I attended here in LA uh, a week before I went on vacation. So it's like about three weeks ago. Um, anyways, first group is N Flying. Um if you're listening on Spotify Premium or on Anchor, you're probably gonna hear the song. If not, you can look it up, look it up later on YouTube or on Spotify. Uh, so the group is N Flying, and their song is called Rooftop. Roof, rooftop. <laughs> um, they are a four-member rap rock band from FNC Entertainment. They've become known more in Japan, uh, where they first debuted. Um, Yuha Song from Produce 101 later joined as a vocalist. Um, I first discovered them um, because of their drummer Jaehyun and their guitarist Chahun um, because they have this uh, YouTube channel which is called Two Idiots. It's it's so funny. They really are two idiots but they're hilarious and so entertaining uh, which they alternate between trying all these absurd like dance classes or classes or whatever. Um, and like mukbang and like eating um, videos they're very funny Um, they're very well known for their amazing medleys including queen michael jackson they did a k-pop medley they did an anime medley so if you pop over to youtube after listening to this podcast definitely check them out Um, i really love their their song rooftop it's it's one of those feel-good rock music that you're just like you can't help but just like listen to and like sway to um i saw them at kcon and they were oh my god amazing um they needed to have more sets in that stage because they only did like a collaboration stage and like a two song set well yeah they did rooftop and they did a medley they did the queen medley which was um drink he got which was it's really good listening to it um you know normally but hearing it live it was oh my god it was it was so good i was just like it's breathtaking how well they were actually able to meld all those songs and sing it in such a good way um (laughs) uh what else anyways amazing group um definitely check them out and yeah um another group that i'm gonna talk about is 17 uh especially about 
I'm going to talk about their song, Very Nice. Um, Seventeen is a 13-member boy group from Pledis Entertainment. They debuted back in 2015. They are known as self-producing idols due to their member, Woozy, who's pretty much, I feel like he's produced, like, almost all of, like, the songs from the K-pop industry right now. He's, like, such a prolific producer. Um... They are composed of three subunits, the rap, performance, and vocals. Um, Their song has a bit of an electronic 70s vibe, um, which is very addicting. When they did this at... um, They were one of the last stages during the uh, K-Con concert. Um, they They were... It was very addicting. Like, they did, I think, four or five encore encore like of the chorus of very nice which just goes like aju nice dun, 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 dun. anyways look it up on like youtube or spotify if you don't hear it after this segment um but it's a very addicting song i was part of the place i downloaded to be on my spotify offline um so that i can listen to it during my flights um during my vacation and it's i was just like bopping my head throughout the flight like a weird lady in one of the airplane seats so um (laughs) um initially i don't know why i didn't like listen to more songs from 17 so um pretty much i like very nice i also like their song clap which was the song that i know them from um and I didn't know much about this boy group except for the fact that there's a lot of them and I don't really remember most of the members but I only really knew them because of Vernon who is their half half American half Korean member um who I saw in uh, Happy Together which is a Korean variety show um he was one of the guests because they were talking about foreigners in the Korean entertainment industry and he's like half a foreigner um but they were teasing him because he looked like a young the younger leonardo dicaprio like when leo leonardo dicaprio was young um anyways just fun fact that's that's how i know vernon um seeing them perform live in kcon pretty much made me into a carrot which is like their their fan base name because they are very consummate performers they just fill up the stage and make it their own like concert pretty much like the K-Con, if, if for you guys who don't know or know much about K-pop, um, K-Con in LA, New York, and other cities, they do tend to end with, like, a couple, like, the two-day concert. So I went to, like, the Sunday concert. I didn't go to the the Saturday concert. But um, it's pretty much, if you like the lineup, which I did for the Sunday one, um, it's pretty much like a K-pop concert with, like, a whole bunch of stages of different K-pop groups. Um, but... Aside from Stray Kids, which, oh my god, I love, um, and Flying, um, Mamamoo, and Seventeen, Seventeen, um, really brought the house down, just because they were just so infectious in their energy, um, kudos to their performance subunit, because they were like, they were really good, they just really filled up the stage, it was a really big stage, and they just filled it up with all their energy, and, um, oh my god they were just jumping around being so hyper so you kind of really get into their song so that's how 
I ended up liking um very nice or Ajun nice in Korean. Um so check it out. Definitely it's such a good song. It's a good song to dance to. Just just a good hype song. Uh and so pretty much yeah. You're gonna hear it after this segment. If not, look it up on YouTube or Spotify, somewhere online. Check them out, 17 or SVT, and you might become a carrot like me. <laughs> um, yeah, so stay tuned. I'm going to talk a little bit about the K-beauty stuff uh, of recently. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Hey, so we're back. I am going to talk about... Uh, couple of korean beauty stuff um that i've been into lately first off i'm gonna talk about peripera ink airy velvet stick um peripera is this brand that i discovered last year when i went to korea and was walking around the road shops in myeongdong they had a huge road shop it's under the brand uh club Clio. anyway peripera uh has a cute funny name but also they have really amazing lip products which i have mentioned before i am a bit of a lipstick lip product addict um it's the ink airy velvet stick this i recently got it at kcon and it was the first time i got this specific like formulation of their lipsticks or lip products it's very soft lightweight it's very pigmented it leaves a bit of a stain i got it in number nine number nine i, I think the color is just red anyway it's a bright kind of like a warm toned red which is just so beautiful it's so lightweight on the, the lips like it um, but it, it is a little bit drying, but it dries out matte, so it looks, for me, that's the perf- that's how I like my lips to look, like, normally, when I go out. So, um, Peripera has a whole, they have, like, a bajillion, like, formulations. So, whatever kind of look you want on your lips, you'll find it in Peripera. Um, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of available wildly now more well sorry more wildly now here in the states internationally um i think you can actually buy them at like cvs and also at riley rose um korean beauty shops and whatever um so i it's a very well recommended um brand for lip products just for me um second thing that i want to talk about actually i'm going to talk about two products from two products from Innisfree uh, first one is Innisfree pore clearing foam with volcanic clusters um, so before I went on vacation I actually got um, the full size of this and I also got like a little traveling size of this because I was meaning to use it during um, my vacation out of the country just to kind of clear up and use it as a foam cleanser on my, the double cleanse method but it broke, maybe broke out, break out, it maybe break out so badly. Like I had like huge, huge acne, like down, like from my chin to my cheeks. It was horrible. Um, and I didn't really bring much of the usual cleanser that I use, which is COSRX Good Morning um, Cleanser. Um, so it took like days and days of just using like my normal Cos RX cleanser just to help it calm down and clear out. Um, so I'm not necessarily recommending it to people just because it didn't work for me, but it might work for you. The formulation is really nice 
fluffy and it's light on the skin um it has volcanic clusters so it's has clay and supposed to be very good for acne prone oily um skin which i usually am i don't know why maybe it just broke me out because it was you know i was on vacation and i wasn't like it's not your my usual environment but um I mean, I'm not recommending it. I'm recommending it based on its reputation, not on how it affected me. So it might be worth it to check it out. Suit yourself. Um, <laughs> the other product that I'm going to talk about, though, is the Innisfree Pore Blur Pack. Um, I'm not sure if this is a new product or it's a product that they just reformulated and made and repackaged into a different thing. But anyways, um, the pore blur pack is from when I was at the store. Um, they said that it's it's a new product. Um, it's a peach tone sebum controlled press powder. Um, I used this all throughout the days that I was on vacation uh, when I was abroad. And it is a lifesaver because if you're in a hurry to go somewhere, go out, and you don't have time to like, you know do the whole makeup and stuff and you just want to like have a nice you know oil free face uh it's such a lifesaver because it's perfect to use as a mattifying finishing powder after like a bit of like um uh, a cushion foundation and a little bit of concealer um because it really like mattifies your face i already like talked about innisfree and their um no sebum um loose powder um i love that whole line but it's a translucent type of more white powder so sometimes if you didn't do your foundation right it kind it kind of looked like a ghost because it's more it's like patting it down with like white powder um very um sebum controlling like it really controls all the oiliness on my face and it lasts like forever but what i don't like about it is that if you keep just putting it on, you just end up looking like you have flour on your face because you're just like stacking on like white, white tinted or white translucent-ish powder. Um, so this one, the Pore Blur Pact, that's such a weird name, but anyway, the the industry Pore Blur Pact is peach toned. So it has a bit of color correcting with it, which which I love. Um, also, it makes me look more alive and human being. <laughs> um um, but also has a very decent um, oil control um, aspect to it. So I don't know if this is just a repackage of their mineral powders, but just with color, like a little bit of a peach tone. But from what I remember, their mineral um, powders, um, though had a tone, it was more towards like a yellowish tone. But anyway, this one's peach toned. It's it's amazing. It looks kind of gives you a bit of a more rosy look with like a matte finish and it's very oil controlling um during the days that well all the days that i was using it it's pretty much like would last at least 10 hours um without me trying like needing to re-blot everything um but note that this was also like i wasn't like sweating like crazy um my face wasn't like crazy oily as it normally is when i'm back home here in california just because you know the weather up there right now is a lot cooler um so i don't know if that 
kind of factored in into how well it was working out for me but anyways i really recommend it it's good for traveling it's just one pack you can pretty much throw it in your purse and it would work fine if you need to um like put some more powder and touch up during the day it's perfect for that um the pack actually is not one of the refillable packs that they usually have that they usually have for the cushions um but it has its own like puff and it has its own mirror so it's just like perfect for like to go like you can use it out and about in the world you know um so i definitely recommend it i'm probably gonna grab another one pretty soon because i i went through like almost half of the pandas in it um during vacation but so yeah pretty much those are all of the korean beauty stuff that i have tested out recently um i'm probably gonna talk about a couple more of course in the next podcast episode um so stay tuned listening to episode three of the peach neon pink podcast um let me know what you want to talk about next time at https forward slash forward slash anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink with two n's forward slash message or you can tweet me anytime at miss manderly on my public twitter account um, you can also catch me on www.peachneonpink.com for more podcast episodes and vlogs. Um, I really enjoyed coming back and recording for this um, podcast episode. 
especially after being on vacation and getting relaxed and refreshed that way i got really rejuvenated and like pumped up to do another podcast episode once i got back home so hopefully you guys enjoy that um i know i ramble a lot that's why it's peach neon pink ramblings um but i am looking forward to um sharing more with you guys next time so hopefully you guys are still listening